0: Well, good morning and welcome to our service. If you're watching this video at home, we know that it's because of the snow and the ice. We're actually recording this on Friday afternoon, and thank you so much for joining us for our worship service. I want to say a special word of thanks um, to Sam Walter, Joseph Hunter, Brett Canode, Tim Dixon. Uh, These folks are responsible for everything we see and hear our video our lighting our sound they do such an incredible job and uh, together with other volunteers in our church they enable us to be able to have the live stream the videos the things uh, that we're able to see uh, on days like today so i'm very thankful for them i want to mention just a few important things coming up very soon in the life of our church first of all this wednesday night January the 19th, our Taste of Community will be held here at our church. We do ask that you register for this online. This is an opportunity for you to learn about small group offerings, discipleship group offerings. If you're not in a group, you'd like to learn more about a growth community where you can get to know a few people better here at our church. This would be a great way to do that. We'd appreciate it if you'd register before you come this Wednesday evening. Secondly, one week from today, Sunday, January 23rd, we're hosting here at River Oaks at 3 p.m. in our sanctuary, the Forsyth Jail and Prison Ministry Training. Now, this training is only offered three or four times a year, and uh, this is the first time we've hosted, hosted it here in several years. And I wanna urge you, if you're looking for a good local ministry opportunity, this is a great one. But you have to go through this hour and a half of training that then uh, uh, qualifies you to visit for an entire year. Uh, in any part of our Forsyth Jail and Prison Ministry outreaches. I plan to be here and I hope lots of you will come for this training so you can participate with this wonderful ministry next year. And then finally, we're beginning a Discover Rock class on February 6th. It'll be held at 915 during our first service for four consecutive weeks. This is a way for you to uh, learn more about the vision values of our church And if you'd like to consider becoming a member of River Oaks, this is also the path to membership. After the fourth Sunday, we'll share a meal together, take membership vows. We do ask that you sign up in advance, and you can register for that on our website as well. Well, this day, we're continuing our study of prayer. And we've been looking at Jesus' most foundational teaching on prayer uh, in all the scripture. It's found right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through uh, 15. I'm going to read that passage this morning. If you have your Bibles, feel free to grab those and read along. Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, Jesus begins this teaching by telling us how not to pray. He says, don't be like the religious hypocrites. They like to be seen by others, they like to be heard, they're trying to impress others with their words. Jesus' teaching here reminds us not to be so concerned about how we we sound to others when we're praying. Pray for God's eyes and God's ears, alone. Secondly, he says, don't be like the the superstitious people who heap up empty phrases thinking they can get God uh, to do what they want him to do by certain words they repeat over and over. God's not impressed by that. When you pray, Jesus says, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Two important things to remember in this part of his teaching. Jesus by what He would do on the cross is going to open the way for those who put their faith in Him to know God as Father. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. Jesus said later in the Gospel of John, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in giving us this prayer and telling us to pray our Father, He is speaking of what He's going to do. He's going to make the way to the Father, a way whereby you and I can call God our Father, bringing us into this relationship of closeness with our Heavenly Father. At the same time, He reminds us to continue to view God with the greatest reverence by saying, hallowed be Your name. Hallowed means to regard as holy. So Jesus is telling us we can call God our Father We continue to hallow, to reverence His name. Then He told us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And last week, we talked about the importance of praying for God's will first to be done in our own lives. When we come to God and say, God, not my will, Thy will be done. We are aligning our own will with the will of God. And at the same time, He is strengthening us in order to do His will. We saw further that praying for God's will to be done, not only in our lives, but all areas of life, the lives of people around us, our workplaces, our schools, is a way of joining in partnership with God for the fulfilling of His purposes. Today, we come to the third section in this great teaching on prayer that Jesus gave, the part where Jesus tells us to pray for our daily bread. And he makes the point in the prayer that God knows what we need, but he tells us to pray for what we need. In verse eight, Jesus had said, your, your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask him. But yet he tells us here, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, what does that mean? In Jesus' day, in Jesus' time, people didn't have enough food in their homes to last them a week, two, three weeks. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have refrigeration like we do. most of us have enough food in our freezers or fridges to last us for days, perhaps even weeks. In Jesus' time, it wasn't the case. People needed to get bread and provisioned food much more frequently. But I think Jesus intends far more here in calling us, excuse me, just to ask for food or just to ask for bread, daily provision. I think he's calling us to ask for what we need. The word that's translated from the Greek uh, daily here uh, can mean necessary. God, give us what we need. Maybe literal food, but it may be for wisdom. It may be for the grace to forgive someone who has harmed you. It may be the ability to love someone who's hard to love. It may be for a job. Uh, It may be for uh, discernment in an issue you're facing, healing of a relationship, guidance. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the question is, if God already knows everything we need, and Jesus said, in fact, in verse 8 of the passage I just read, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him, if that is the case, why does He want us to ask Him? God already knows, so why does He want us to ask Him? Well, I think there's several reasons for this. The first is this. Prayer is fellowship with God. God desires our relationship. He desires our fellowship. Why did God create you? Why do you think God created you in His own image and in His own likeness? Early in the pages of the Bible, if you start reading the book of Genesis and go forward, you'll see that there are certain people who walked with God. That's the language Scripture uses. They walked with God. God walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Enoch, later in the book of Genesis, walked with God. There are certain people whose fellowship with God was so close they were said to walk with God. That same language is used some in the New Testament. We're told to walk in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, Paul says, you won't fulfill the desire of the flesh if you do that. Walking with God refers to a relationship with God. God created us for fellowship. And a vital part of this fellowship is communication. When we have a relationship with anyone, there is communication, fellowship, communion. The Apostle John writes about this, writing uh, in 1 John chapter 1, he writes, That's what, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, that is, sharing the gospel with others, that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed are Fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Remarkable words. John says we have fellowship with other believers in Jesus, and our fellowship is with God the Father and God the Son. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, there's a benediction. You hear it often in our church. Where the Apostle Paul writes, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The word translated fellowship is the word koinonia. It means a sharing in common. God wants to share our lives, and one of the ways we participate, we walk with God, we commune with God is by prayer. He calls us to ask for the things we need. Secondly, as we saw last week, prayer is partnership with God. God has chosen through prayer to include us in the things He does in our lives, in the things He does in the world. He gives us the privilege of partnering in His work, not only in our lives, but also here in earth. And I think God has given us a very, very significant role in the kingdom business, the family business by partnering with Him in prayer. Thirdly. Why pray? If God knows what we need, why pray? In praying, we acknowledge our dependence on God. Prayer is always born out of a sense of need when we're asking for something. We acknowledge that God is greater than we are. We acknowledge God is the source of every good and perfect gift. We acknowledge that we trust Him, that He is good, that we believe He is omnipotent, that is, He's all-powerful. He can do what we need. He can give us what we need. Prayer is an expression of trust. And then finally, we pray because God shapes our lives through prayer. Most answers to prayer, most answers we get when we ask God for things are not immediately seen. We don't instantly see answers to prayer, typically. Uh, For some things, we pray and we wait for years. I have found this especially true in praying for God's work in the lives of other people. Maybe for a person to come to faith in Jesus. Maybe a family member or a friend. Sometimes it requires prayer uh, for years. But God shapes our lives in the waiting. Because perseverance grows as we persist in prayer. Faith that is tested when we don't see answers is faith that is growing stronger. James writes in the first chapter of the book of James, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And that only occurs over time. God shapes us as we're waiting in prayer. So why does Jesus tell us to pray for for whatever we need, at the same time saying that God already knows what we need? Because prayer is fellowship with God. It's communion with Him. It's partnership with Him. Prayer expresses our trust in God, our faith in Him, our belief in His goodness. And then finally, God has chosen to shape our lives through prayer, especially when there's waiting involved. Now, Jesus tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He tells us to ask for whatever we need, whether it's literal food, whether it's a financial provision, whether it's a new job, whether it's wisdom, whether it's grace for a difficult situation, what you need, ask your heavenly Father for what you need. Jesus strongly encourages us as the New Testament goes on to pray to the Father in His name. This is the great privilege of a person who is saved, who has put faith in Jesus, who knows Jesus as Savior and Lord, the privilege of using His name. He says to His followers, "'In that day you will ask nothing of Me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in My name, He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in My name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full.' Jesus is again talking about asking, asking the Father for things, asking the Father for what we need. Now, what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? I have heard people sometimes pray a prayer in which they, they use the phrase, in the name of Jesus, every other sentence. In the name of Jesus, do this. In the name of Jesus, do this. It's certainly appropriate to to say, Father, I come in the name of Jesus, but we don't treat the name of Jesus like some type of a a, a magic uh, formula or a magic chant. What we mean when we say we're praying in the name of Jesus is that we are coming to God the Father on the basis of who Jesus is and what He has done for us. We read further in uh, verses 26 and 27 of John, Jesus reiterates what he's already said. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Praying in Jesus' name implies believing who he is. You're coming to God the Father now on the basis of who Jesus is. So I pray, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I'm not coming on the basis of my own goodness or righteousness. I have none with which to come. I'm standing before God, the father on the basis of Jesus. His name represents who he is. So I'm coming through Christ to the father through the son. Yes. I typically do use the words when I begin a prayer, Father, I come in the name of Jesus but it's to be understood that that means we're coming on the basis of who He is. Furthermore, it means we understand that Jesus is the one who forever represents us before God. He is our great high priest in the language of the book of Hebrews. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Let us then come with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need." What does this mean? It means we can come to the Father knowing that Jesus Christ the Lord is our representative there. We come on the basis of who He is, His representation, His righteousness, and therefore, we can come with confidence. So Jesus is calling us to use His name. We're to come confidently before the Father because of who Jesus is. Now, let me stress here. It is only those who know Jesus Christ personally who have put their faith in Him, what He did on the cross when He paid for our sins, When he was raised from the dead, when we've repented of sin, received him by faith, we then have the privilege of using the name of Jesus Christ. We come on the basis of who he is and what he has done for us. It's an incredible privilege to be able to come to God, the creator of the entire universe, in the name of Jesus, because we have his ear. We're coming on the basis of the precious Son of God. Furthermore, Jesus and he, he gives us the strongest encouragement to ask God for what we need. He's told us to come in His name, and now He tells us when we ask God for things, to keep coming, to keep knocking, to persist. In Luke chapter eleven, Jesus is—that's another place in the Gospels when Jesus presents the model of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the early verses of luke chapter 11 and just after presenting the lord's prayer in which he says pray give us this day our daily bread jesus gives an illustration of someone who's actually seeking literal bread and we read this in luke 11 verses 5 to 13 again jesus just gave the lord's prayer and he adds these words "And which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, "'Friend, give me three loaves, "'for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, "'and I have nothing to set before him.' "'And he will answer from within, "'Do not bother me. "'The door is now shut, "'and my children are with me in bed. "'I cannot get up and give you anything. "'I tell you, though he will not get up "'and give him anything because he is his friend, "'yet because of his impudence, "'he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now let me pause for a minute. Jesus had just given the Lord's Prayer, that model, including the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. And he gives this little parable-like story, and he says, Uh, this guy has a friend, he goes to him at midnight pounding on the door. I need some bread because I've had a visitor come. The guy's in bed, his children are in bed. Friendship is not enough to compel him to get up and give the bread. But Jesus says, but because of his impudence, he'll get up and get him, give him what he needs. What is impudence? Persistence, bold, shameless persistence. Because this man is brash enough, bold enough, persistent enough to keep knocking on his door, he will get up and give him what he needs. Now, Jesus is actually commending persistence here, persistence in prayer. And again, that's what impudence means. Later in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable, the very beginning of Luke 18 and verse 1, The scripture says he he told a parable to teach them that they ought always to pray and not to give up. And he told a parable about a woman going to a judge, and she kept going to the judge with her complaint repeatedly, repeatedly, and the judge was getting weary of it, so he gave her what she needed. And Jesus said, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father? He didn't use these words, but essentially, answer your prayer. Jesus connected that with faith. He's commending persistence in these little stories, persistence in prayer, not giving up in prayer. Why is that? Because persistence in prayer is an expression of trust in God, of faith in God. Now, this raises questions, doesn't it? Raises questions about what we can ask God for. Um, when, it, when it comes to daily bread, things we think we may need. How do we approach God with confidence? I think the scripture gives us what we might think of as, as uh, maybe guardrails to keep us in the right roadway of, of asking God in prayer, uh, things that, that will shape our requests before God. And a couple things are particularly important in that regard. One is being rightly related to God through faith in Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So here's one of the conditions for answered prayer, abiding in Jesus. That means we're honoring His will. It means He is our Savior and Lord and we are heeding His words. Having His words abide in us is more than having heard them. It implies the willingness to obey them. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote the book of 1 John. And In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21, he wrote, If our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, We receive of him because we keep his commandments and do what's pleasing in his sight. He goes on to say, and this is his commandment, that we believe on his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another. So here's what John's saying. Here's the way to have confidence in prayer, to be sure that whatever we ask, we receive of him. Our heart's not condemning us because we're not asking Jesus for something and living in a totally immoral, ungodly way over here. If we're doing that, our heart does indeed condemn us and convict us of our wrongdoing. But if we're seeking to walk with God, His words are abiding in us. We're abiding in Him. We're we're seeking to fulfill uh, His command to believe in Jesus and to love others. We can pray with greater confidence. There's another guardrail or uh, a guide toward answered prayer given us by John the Apostle in 1 John chapter 5. And that is this, our confidence in prayer is based on not only abiding in Christ and His words abiding in us, but praying in accord with God's will. John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. In other words, I'm writing to believers in Jesus. This is the confidence we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Oh, well, now we know we have some real (laughs) guidance for things that we can ask with confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the requests we've asked of him. Now, all these verses about prayer imply asking God for things we need or think we need with a lot of confidence. But we have some guidance here, praying in accord with God's will, uh, rightly related to Jesus, His words abiding in us. And so the question arises, okay, you got to pray in accord with God's will. How How do we know His will? I think our knowledge of God's will grows over time, particularly as we learn the Scripture. The better we know God's Word, the better we can know God's will. He has revealed His will to us in His Word. Scripture provides lots of guidance on how to ask, how not to ask. For example, in the book of James it says, You ask for things and and don't receive them because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your passions. You don't want to ask God for something just to fulfill some lust or some passion that's not His will. Uh, Someone may ask God for a bunch of money because they want the provision, they want the wealth. But if that person is unwilling to work, they can't expect that prayer to be answered. The apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians, if anyone is not willing to work, neither should he eat. In other words, a church shouldn't just give away stuff to this person who's unwilling to work. So the scripture provides all kinds of, of guidance. But the more we listen to God's will and His word, the more effective will be our asking the more confident we'll be our asking God for things. Here's a here's a a quotation from St. Augustine, Augustine, years ago that I think is somewhat what helpful, somewhat helpful in this regard. He said, he who would be heard of God, let him first give ear to God. In other words, learn God's word, learn what it says about God's will. Then you can pray with greater confidence. Anytime we talk about prayer, the question's going to come, what about unanswered prayer? And we have to deal honestly with that as we're talking about prayer this month, and I certainly don't want to skim over that. Um, and so in the coming weeks, I'd like to actually invite you, if you want to submit questions about prayer, about unanswered prayer, struggles that you've had, to submit those questions. And over the next couple weeks, when we're, we're meeting in person, Um, I'll give you an opportunity to submit those live in the service, or you can start emailing them in now. One of the quotations um, by Tim, Tim Keller that I have found meaningful in regard to prayer is the one you'll see on your screen. Keller writes in his book titled Prayer, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked. If we knew everything, He knew. There's a lot in that statement about God's oversight, His sovereign rule over our lives and over our prayer. We'll talk about that further. But on the screen, you will see a, uh, uh, an email address to which you can submit questions. You're welcome to do that this week in advance of next week or uh, submit these live in the service in the next couple weeks. Questions about prayer. We'll try to take a little time in the services to attempt to answer questions you may have about prayer, especially if those can be answered um, from Scripture. But for now, I'd like to close with prayer. And as you're gathered at home, some of you are alone. Some may be with your spouse. Some may have kids with you. I'd like to take a, a moment of silence and invite you right where you are to take a couple minutes in prayer, and then I'll close us in just a moment. So I'll start us, then leave us with a moment of silence before our worship team leads us in a final song. Father, we come in the name of our Lord Jesus. We come to you, Father, on the basis of the Son, who He is, what He has done for us. And we ask you to teach us how to pray, Now let's take a moment or two where you are just to pray aloud uh, whether you're alone or with others. And now, Father, as we continue to pray, I especially want to hold before you our friends and members, Keith and Mary Kushner, the tragic loss of their two daughters. Please pour healing grace on Mary and Keith today, as only you can do. Holy Spirit, draw near to them as the great comforter. Father, pour your gracious mercy and healing upon them. Father, continue to work among us that we would be people who enjoy fellowship with you in prayer. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.